Hello and welcome back. We have Dr. Fernando Garzan with us today. I've interviewed him before and I've asked him to come back to speak on uh, Christian psychotherapy. A little bit about Dr. Garzan. Uh, he is a licensed psychologist, ordained minister, and clinical outcomes-based researcher. He received his bachelor's, um, bachelor's of Arts in Biology at Wake Forest University and his PsyD in Clinical Psychology from Fuller Seminary. Prior to Regent, Dr. Garzan was a professor at Liberty University in their clinical mental health counseling and Whoa, what is this? What is EDD? Oh, that's a doctorate in education. Oh, EDD program, okay. yeah. And his doctorate in education and community care and counseling programs. His clinical experience has encompassed outpatient practice, managed care, hospital, pastoral care, and church settings. Dr. Garzan, thank you for joining me again today. Mm-hmm. You're very welcome, Daniel. Glad to be here. Yeah, so you are an ordained minister and you have studied and you practice clinical psychology. Um, I guess, can we start off with, can you talk about the difference between pastoral counseling and psychotherapy? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, it can vary, of course, depending on the type of degree someone has in terms of pastoral counseling. There's lots of different degrees there. But uh, the general thing in terms of like pastoral care is typically it's more ministry focused, uh, very scripture focused, Hmm. tends to be, if it's a pastor doing pastoral care, uh, tends to be short term because pastors, lots of times they're doing lots of different duties. So Hmm. it's more short term. There are of course pastoral counselors that do that just like a psychotherapist. And so there are some who have training who can do more long-term care as well. And those will typically have more theological training than a typical uh, Christian psychotherapist, perhaps, but they may have less, they generally do have less, in terms of the actual clinical skills and evidence-based practices that a psychotherapist would have. Okay. And for someone who's not familiar with the field of psychology, let's say, um, why would someone want those clinical skills and evidence-based practice? What is that? mean to me? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. So first, uh, you may not. You may not need it. Uh, So it's good for us to go to our spiritual resources and our support systems in our natural environment and see if that can help us. So Mm. if someone's struggling with a down mood and they visit their pastor and they have some sessions of prayer and support from the pastor, maybe some mentoring, You know, churches have lots of resources that therapists don't have. Uh, Maybe they're interacting in a Bible study. Maybe there's another group that they go to. Uh, Maybe they have other support systems, friends, things of that nature. Well, maybe maybe you don't need to go, you know, see see a therapist because your natural resources in terms of the church and your other supports can help you. Hmm. It, It gets tricky when you've tried those things and you still feel stuck Hmm. and that's really when i think you can start praying about and thinking about okay would a therapist be helpful for me because therapists typically have uh both a good christian background if they're if they're a christian therapist Hmm. they'll have some christian training but then they'll also have some training in some scientific methods which can come alongside our faith 
and uh, empower us in a different way to do the work. So, yep, maybe you don't need it, but if you're stuck with kind of your natural support system, then that's when I'd really think about seeing a therapist. Okay. Okay. Yeah, one of the questions I wanted to ask was, why see a therapist instead of my pastor? So I think from what you're saying, maybe go to your pastor first and you can, you know, you can be prayed over and go through all of the different things that the church has in place for you. Um, but if you're still feeling stuck and if there still seems to be something deeper or um, maybe you need extra time, then you might consider praying about seeing a therapist. Yes, I, I think that's that's part of it. And of course, one thing we're assuming here is that we have a, a church that's a, a positive, mm. you know, life-giving part of your life. Uh-huh. You know, some church environments, uh, perhaps you know, some people uh, are in a church environment, but they're kind of going through the motions and they're not feeling spiritually fed there, not emotionally mm. supported. And then others love their church. So of course, when we talk about you know, try your church, try your resources there, see if they help. Uh, we're assuming that you have a positive relationship with your church, with your pastor, with others that are, are at your church. But if not, then again, you know, a, a Christian therapist would be a very, very valuable, valuable thing to, to think about and to, to connect with. Okay. Is there, so you, you just said a Christian therapist. I, no. I wanted to ask, like, With, with therapists maybe using more scientific methods or, um, you know, scientific, empirically supported treatments, um, maybe methods backed by research or by science, is there a need for your therapist to be a Christian or can you see a non-Christian therapist as a Christian patient? Yeah, so that's a great question. So part of it can relate to what, what are you dealing with, how much faith is involved in what you're dealing with, mm-hmm. how much you want faith involved in terms of your your therapy, the ability to talk about those things, and also the therapist's particular experience level with the type of condition that you're working with. So, for example, let's say you have some sort of complex trauma, some really significant traumatic experiences that have happened in your life. So, uh, you may be getting some support from your church, but but still experiencing flashbacks or really significant symptoms. And so... Mm -hmm. In that case, a well-trained non-Christian therapist, as long as they are supportive, now ethically, therapists are supposed to be sensitive to multicultural differences and multicultural factors in treatment, and faith is one of them. So a good therapist, whether they're a Christian or not, will at least be appreciative and respectful of your faith. And a well-trained person, for example, in complex PTSD, in complex PTSD, uh, it varies from like regular post-traumatic stress in that there's been like a whole bunch of different traumas. There may be some dissociation. The person has flashbacks, nightmares. They may have uh, memory gaps. They may feel like one person in one situation and totally a totally different person in another situation. Mm-hmm. They may be full of conflictual feelings and their relationships tend to be in turmoil. And they really suffer. They might be sensitive to people, to threats of abandonment, other things. So it can be a pretty complex picture. And so you need someone well-trained to work with that. And so, uh, so in that case, yes, you might, you might be seeing a non-Christian therapist as long as they're respectful of your faith 
and they're not trying to get you to change your, your, your faith or, or attacking it in a way, then they may be helpful for you in terms of your other church supports because uh, in those cases you really do need some specialized care and churches want to help and, and they can help some, but there are some things that, that do need specialized training. Okay, that makes sense. It, um, you mentioned... As you mentioned that they they should respect your faith and that they shouldn't be trying to change your religious views in any way. Um, even if I see a Christian therapist, am I allowed to ask like? Um, I'm even thinking like denominationally, like there's different there's yeah. different interpretations of things. Like, am I allowed to ask them what is their denomination or what is their religious beliefs, um, that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, therapists will vary in terms of how they would respond to this question that you're mm-hmm. asking. Uh, I'll answer. I'll answer in terms of, of for myself when I'm working with people. They're, they're really the the underlying question when people are asking about a therapist's beliefs are: Are you close enough of a match to me to really understand me and my concerns and my values? Are you going mm-hmm. to try to get me to? Uh, perhaps violate my morals in terms of something that I feel is wrong? Are you going to try to convince me it's right? Uh, Are you going to perhaps question my faith? So there's a lot of underlying things that may relate to that. Mm -hmm. But I'll typically share uh, a little bit about my my background, and I have uh, many denominations in my background experiences, and I've appreciated each one in terms of how they have influenced my growth and my relationship with Christ. And so, uh, for some conservative Christians, especially that that can be a very useful, very important thing to explore with them, and uh, to have them be comfortable with that. Now, I will say though, uh, as far as you know, changing your beliefs, actually, a good Christian therapist might invite you to change your beliefs. Hmm. Uh, what do I mean by that? So, let me give you an example. So let's say uh, I'm working with a Christian client who's come in with major depression, really suffering from a down mood, low energy. They're not engaged in life. They're staying in bed a lot. They're gaining weight. They're having trouble concentrating. Just lots of, you know, they stay in their room with the, with the windows closed and with the drapes drawn, and really they're struggling in life, maybe even having suicidal thoughts and those sorts of things. And so they come to see me and, and faith is a part of their picture. Uh, as we talk, it, it, it fits with depression. They might think, well, God's judging me. I've sinned. I've lost my salvation. Uh, you know, God thinks that I deserve hell. They might have all kinds of beliefs that really fit with the depression. Whereas if they're not depressed, they may remember other aspects of their faith experience that actually really balance out any sort of fears like that. You know, they may, right now they're depressed, they're focusing on God's judgment, for example, and their sin, etc. Mm-hmm. But as a therapist, part of the work might be inviting them to re-engage in terms of, uh, you know, forgiveness and grace and God's mercy and compassion and helping them see how, how their depression has has really filtered out some other things that are probably already in their faith that they just need to be reminded of, and those things need to be recatalyzed 
and they start learning to recognize, oh, this is my depression talking. Yeah, I'm feeling like I've committed the unpardonable sin and that I'm going to hell and everything. And this is part of my depression. Actually, when I'm not feeling this way, I don't feel that. I can remember God's mercy. I can remember forgiveness. So some of the therapeutic work may involve gently reminding people about the things that build strength and hope and encouragement in their faith, which, you know, across Christian denominations, there's a lot that builds our hope and builds our faith in God's mercy and trust in that when we're going through difficult times. So so that's an example of where yeah. actually you might actually work with someone in a way to sort of reframe their beliefs to help them recapture things perhaps that the depression has made them lose. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's a good example. Uh, I wanted to also ask about, for someone who's never been to therapy, maybe they've only seen it in TV shows or heard about it. Yeah. I wanted to ask, a, you know, a typical example, let's say I'm feeling depressed and I want to go see a Christian therapist. What might I expect? Um, are we just going to like talk about my feelings? Like, how is it, mm-hmm. how is it that a therapist might cure me of my depression, let's say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, what might I expect from a typical therapist? Well, okay, the short answer is I don't know. <laughs> and what I mean by that is there's so many different types of therapists. So there's so many many different models of therapy. Some of them, like you said, are very non-directive and all you're going to do is kind of talk all the time and they're going to listen to you and reflect back the feelings that they hear and it's very non-directive and very much focused on process and letting you just kind of talk out things. And so that's one type of therapist. Then you have other, other types of therapy where the therapist is very engaged with you. What is your problem? They're going to give you a structured intake where they ask you a series of questions to get to know a picture of who you are and what a potential diagnosis is for you. And then they're going to talk with you about a treatment plan to say, here's how therapy might look, if you work with me. So you have, that's a kind of like two extremes. On one hand, you have people who could be totally laid back, very non-directive, just letting you talk. And then you have others that are more structured and that will really focus on generating a diagnosis, getting a good sense of who you are, different things impacting you, you're uh, developing a treatment plan, collaborating with you on that. And there's lots of different therapies, of course, that can be used in developing a treatment plan. So so I, I don't know, hmm. and I could tell you that it is valuable, it is worthwhile to talk with someone before you meet with them to get an idea of what the therapy will look like, to see if that's something that you want. You know, if you just want to go and just kind of talk out and just sort of, you know, talk, well, you can find a therapist to do that. But if, if you want something that's more directive and targeted at your particular struggles, hmm. and you can find that out in a phone call when, when you call to set up an appointment and they give you a call back. And that's a really worthwhile conversation to have. Hmm. Okay. Okay. That's a good, that's a good tip. If you, uh, let's say like, so you're a clinical psychologist and I imagine that you believe in the process of therapy. Um, let's say that you have someone who maybe they're more typically, for all intents and purposes, they're fine. They've been through some perhaps traumatic things, maybe um, like suicide in the family, maybe through a divorce, maybe through maybe they've 
had depression in the past, but they're feeling relatively fine now. Um, and for all intents and purposes, they move through life functioning just well. They work. They they have pretty good relations with their family. What? Why might someone like that consider seeing a therapist? Okay, yeah, that's a good question. So in terms of that case, one thought that comes to me is, well, there's actually two. One is we could be talking about a person who's had, instead of post-traumatic stress disorder, we can also go through life. Many people have gone through challenges in life and actually grown tremendously from them and so they've experienced post-traumatic stress growth. It's also possible to have post-traumatic stress disorder and post-traumatic stress growth. You can actually have kind of parallel tracks too. So it gets a little bit complex in that case. But if you're talking with someone who's had a lot of post-traumatic stress growth and they're not really showing a lot of symptoms, then I think in that case, you might even want to consider a good life coach, perhaps, uh, for example, a licensed clinical psychologist or a licensed mental health professional who also does life coaching, uh -huh. where the focus is just making your life even better. So uh, many times, for example, executives have life coaches to help them in terms of managing their work life and getting a more balanced, uh, healthy social life or family life. You could use a life coach for oodles of, of different things in terms of building relationships or uh, careers and making progress in your career or your planning or wellness, you know, focusing on that. If the life coach is licensed, then also if they're working on these things and then some things start popping up in terms of struggles and things that you've had, mm -hmm. and together you could talk about whether it would be worth exploring in terms of whether some therapy would be would be uh, you know appropriate there so life coach focuses more on wellness moving forward in life very kind of present to the future what are your goals where do you want to head career-wise social-wise family-wise you know relationship-wise they can they can do a lot of uh, helpful things and obviously training varies there too so you need to talk with them see what it looks like if you were to work with them as well. But starting on that path with someone who's also a licensed mental health professional can be useful because as you're working, you may discover, gosh, it might be worth it for me to take a look at this painful thing from my past. I thought it was over this, but you know, I'm not as over it as I thought. Mm. And that way you get the best of both worlds. You can, you can do life coaching for the future and you can deal with some things from the past if you need to resolve some things. Okay. So the same, because they're because your life coach is licensed, if you if you realize that you might want to go through some type of therapy, they can just kind of switch gears and go into therapy with you? Yes. Or okay. uh -huh. a good life coach might recognize, okay, it feels like our work is focused more on your wellness, but, but perhaps a different therapist will focus on, you know, some traumas or some grief and loss something that really does need some work. So there there might be a collaboration to see what will really fit with your particular situation and the particular skills of the life coach as well. Hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. I've never uh I've never done any type of coaching in my training so far. Uh but it mm -hmm. is something I find very interesting. I encourage you to do it. 
if you know you're a pretty well guy you're you're, you're pretty put together you've got your podcast going here lovely family uh, go ahead and try it see what's different but again there's lots of different life coaches out there you'd have to pick someone that that has some good training in particular areas and uh, you know maybe it will be useful for you and and again I've, I've known some life coaches as well uh, done a little bit of it in my own personal life too and it's been helpful on the targeted things that I wanted us to focus on mm-hmm. but uh, it varies for different people of course but yeah yeah we've got to respect that's the one thing so we've been talking a little bit about pastors and their ministry mm-hmm. right they can do short-term therapy right they, they can't work work with us every week because they have a congregation maybe but they mm-hmm. can work you know one to three sessions get a lot of prayer and support We've been talking about therapists who can really work more ongoing and intensely. Uh, now we're touching on life coaches who can kind of help us to achieve specific targets or goals that we have and really help us in terms of wellness-related areas. So lots of different professions for us to really recognize. And faith can be a part of each one of those. There are Christian life coaches. There are you know, uh, Christian psychotherapists. And sometimes that's a very important factor. And then sometimes, depending on what you're dealing with, you know, it's more the level of training that's that's uh, important in treating your condition. Hmm. I don't. Um, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but do you have? You're going to do it anyway. I know <laughs> you, Daniel. You're going to do it anyway. Do you have an, a like maybe a, a case example of, of like a solid um, Christian therapy? session or how you might have helped someone through therapy oh yeah in what particular way what are you thinking yeah i'm just thinking um someone who's never been through therapy and Mm -hmm. might still be it's kind of unless you go through it and experience it it's kind of hard to grasp Mm -hmm. um so maybe if you could just kind of elucidate on what like maybe for this person yeah uh, let me give you a couple examples. So one okay. is where uh, finding out the right diagnosis really helped someone, hmm. okay, and helped them in terms of calming down and really get. So you know, so I worked with someone uh, actually in a setting, and of course I'll, I'll de-identify a little bit because just in terms of ethically, I wouldn't want to describe a person so much that you could actually guess who it was. So I'm going to, a few details will be modified for for those types of purposes. But I worked with this woman who came in and she was really struggling because she had a lot of relationship turmoil. People were getting upset with her and she couldn't really figure out what she was doing wrong. She tried so hard to please people. She was very much, uh, she wanted to be a good Christian. She wanted to really, you know, uh, be a witness for Christ. And it just seemed like in the church, there was uh, just people were were getting upset with her about different things. And so she was very, very confused about that. She also had nightmares. Uh, She also had these times where she was very jumpy as well. So she suffered from some anxiety. And so one thing we did, so so her faith was very important to her. And so, 
she was thinking, you know, can God help me with this and, and you know, what's happening? And so, so part of what I did was just instill hope that, yeah, God brought you here. Let's, let's see what we can do together. We'll see what you need. And so we started developing a treatment plan. And so I did some assessment on her. And one thing that I found was she had a significant amount of what I would call some uh, significant trauma symptoms going on in her, her life. Some of the memory gaps and things, uh, they were not uh, actually, I, I sent her to, uh, to have an EEG, to have a neurological workup, oh. to take a look at some of those different memory things, to make sure there wasn't something biological going on affecting it. She didn't really have heavy depression, so it didn't seem like it was depression-related mm. concentration difficulties, but was watching for that too. So basically, at the end of the assessment, what, what happened, what, what was clear to me was she was a case of someone who was experiencing what I would call complex PTSD, which involves some dissociation, it involved flashbacks, a lot of intrusive symptoms, very uncomfortable things. Mm -hmm. And so people were getting upset with her because what was happening was she would have these, these periods where she would blank out and she would dissociate and she would do something that that was very agitating or kind of opposite of her regular sweet kind personality mm. call people names or she might cuss someone out or something and then she would kind of come back to herself and she wouldn't remember that and the other person's reacting and saying you know how could you do that and she's like well what did i do you know uh -huh. so so for her uh, getting that diagnosis of complex ptsd with some dissociative features and saying, you know, this is what's going on. It looks like uh, you're having these periods where you blank out, and and then you know this happens. And so, uh, actually, uh, she she investigated. She talked with some of her friends. You know, so we did a little bit of investigation with the people who are close around her. Hmm. That oh, I really did do this. Oh, I did that. And so, so that was a tremendous relief to her. Number one, I'm not crazy, she said. It's like, okay, so I'm not crazy. I have this condition. And so then it was a matter of helping her with a good treatment plan to, uh, to help her. And so one thing we referred, I don't, I don't do uh, one, one treatment was EMDR, for example, and I recommended that as a possible adjunct to her work with me. Okay. And so she did that, and that was helpful for some of those severe trauma things that she was sorting through. And so... It ended up being a very, very positive thing, and, and part of it was in terms of her faith that she really saw that, yeah, God did use you know, coming to me, discovering what was wrong, and he also used some science-based things to help her, but she really saw the Lord's hand in, in all of that, and so she left much less confused, and she had a, a much clearer path, lots of improvement, and you know, had some work to continue, but she knew how to continue the work. Mm -hmm. And so it, that was an example, you know, of someone in terms of, of diagnostically, you know, uh, yeah. dealing with that. So another one, let's see, you know, lots of, again, you know, when you've been in the field a long time, you've got, you know, lots of different, different things that you can, that you can bring up and, and talk about. So, you know, another person that comes to my mind is uh, someone who actually was carrying a lot of shame just in terms of sexual abuse and, and things that had happened when they were young. And so uh, feeling like they were responsible, feeling like they were 
you know, it was their fault. And for this particular person, there, you know, uh, traditional CBT was not really working well. CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy, and that's where you examine the thoughts. You might look at alternative ways of looking at things. So, for example, this belief that it was her fault, for example, mm-hmm. was very entrenched for her. And when we looked at alternative ways of looking at it, you know, how old she was, uh, the adult who was more responsible, kind of dividing out all the factors, that still didn't make a lot of movement for her. Now, we know neurobiologically part of the reason why is because the centers of the brain that store trauma are not the centers that really help you. That your, your prefrontal cortex area is what's involved in analysis and reasoning and stuff. But trauma tends to be stored in midbrain areas, the amygdala, other areas. Mm-hmm. So uh, what really I could see clinically happening was I was talking to the wrong centers of her brain while I was trying to do some restructuring. The, the, it wasn't, you know, so she could know in her head, well, I know it's not my fault. So, but for her particular case, in that case, I did, uh, and we talked about it because there were several things we could have done, right? I, I could have referred her for some EMDR. We could have done prolonged exposure therapy. We could have done cognitive processing therapy. In her case, she was a very strong Christian, and she had some experience in church environments with some some lay ministry things around a Christian inner healing prayer. Hmm. And I have some training in that area. So uh, I got her, we, we signed an informed consent saying, look, okay, there's other treatments we can do, but we're going to try this as an experiment just to see. Let's see what happens with you. But let's see if this is a good fit for you. If it is, great. If it's not, we'll do something else. Uh, the particular version I had was uh, I used with her was very non-directive. So I, I wasn't like suggesting, okay, I want you to think this or that. So it was non-directive. But but the point was that she was able to to really uh, confront some of those painful memories of abuse. And she really received from the Lord a clear sense from him, it, it wasn't my fault. You know, it was like, no, uh, that, I, that was not my fault at all. That, that uh, he did not judge her at all. That, that he, he knew exactly who was responsible and that it, she was not and that he loved her. So, so there was a lot of very positive interaction with Christ around those painful things. And that basically resolved that sense that it was it was my fault and so the guilt just went way down okay. and the depression from the guilt because it, she had a lot of depression really significantly lifted hmm. there as well so that's another example and that's again where lots of different Christian therapists have a lots of different tools and interventions that they can use hmm. so that was just a particular case where I used one Perhaps a, a good pastor who was trained in inner healing prayer, Christian inner healing prayer, might have done something similar. Mm-hmm. But uh, she was in the right environment because I, I think if if it, let's say that prayer did not was not helpful, she needed someone who could shift gears and do other other things. Uh, I chose that as a starting point because of just her faith background, and I knew she had had some previous positive experiences. And I felt like if we could get at that particular belief, that schema, really in terms of a cognitive sense, that really core belief, if there could be some movement there, I knew that that would really shorten the therapy, and it did. Okay, that's, yeah, thank you. What Can you give us an example of what inner healing prayer is? Okay, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I can give you an example. I think, I think I'll just give you one 
I think I'll just give you one, actually, Daniel, uh, uh, a very uh, positive one. So inner healing prayer, basically it's inviting the presence of Christ into uh, an experience, a memory. It could be a symbolic image. It could be something that's interacting with you in terms of your mind and inviting Christ's presence there. So that's just kind of a, there's more nuance to it. But in this case, uh, why don't we just do do a, a, a version of it that's safe if you would like to. So we're not going to talk about it. We're not dealing with trauma or anything. Actually, what I'd like you to do is think about one of your happiest memories. Uh, okay. Do you have one that comes to your mind, just something that brings you joy? And you don't even, don't even have to share it with me. See, this is the nice thing about these, these things. As long as it's clear to you. Do you have hmm. one that's clear to you? I do. Okay. All right. So uh, if you're comfortable, you can leave your eyes open, you can close them, but I just invite you just to, to close your eyes or find a spot to rest in the room and just sort of place yourself in that really positive, happy memory, that, that place, just kind of what you were seeing, just notice what you were feeling, you know, if there were any smells or hearing, just notice those things. And as you notice them, I want you just to, to really just take them in, just how good you feel there, just what sorts of feelings are emerging in this very positive experience. And just kind of drink that in. And I want to invite you just to, to ask a question and just observe what happens. And the question is this. God, what, what do you want me to know in this experience? And just see if you notice anything different. If something comes to mind, doesn't have to make sense. Just anything that pops into your mind that maybe gets you even more awareness of, of this positive experience. And just take that in. And this can happen different ways with people. And if nothing happens, that's fine too. Just take in and just enjoy this experience. And, See if you have some more awareness of something going on that might even reveal more of Jesus to you or, or God's love for you. Or, or just, just take that in for a moment. So whatever feels right for you, if, if it feels right to just privately interact with God around it or... Just whatever feels right. You feel free to just kind of interact with God around that memory for a moment. And when you're ready, if it feels right, perhaps you want to close with a quiet prayer. Perhaps you want to just open your eyes and stretch a little bit. Whatever works for you to start start coming coming back from this positive memory, positive interaction with the Lord and to come back to the podcast, just do it in a way that, that fits for you. It's interesting because since seeing the series The Chosen if I picture Jesus, it's it's the Jesus from the show. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah, but yeah, I really like that. That 
I started thinking about all the ways, all of the different memories that you could have and, and invite God or invite Jesus into it and ask him what he would have you to know in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was, that was a useful experience, and that's something mm-hmm. that I would check. Was that helpful? Now, if you'll note, we, the real emphasis here was on a positive experience, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, there's different models. So what I was doing there was a variation uh, called the life model or Emmanuel prayer, oh. uh, which starts out exactly the way we started there, where you take something that's positive, that's meaningful, and you experience Christ there. And then from that, if you want, you keep that interaction going with the Lord. And then you might go to some places that were difficult to uh, do some work there. But you always end up back in this positive place. You, you don't end the prayer just stuck dealing with trauma, for example. You okay. always want to end up back in a place that's positive. So... But, and that's just a good realization. Sometimes people think, oh, Christian inner healing prayer, you have to deal with trauma all the time. No, it can be a positive memory too, just, just getting more of an awareness of God in a, a positive place. And so those types of things, now, you know, you're a healthy person. I felt good doing this because I know you, mm-hmm. right? I know your, your level of health, those sorts of things. You know, obviously I wouldn't do that with someone I didn't know, didn't have a good assessment or a good feel for the person at all. So you wouldn't just jump in and and start with that. Although, again, there are some church ministries and things that do these types of prayer, and they do that. That's their primary thing. And the good ones will recognize when someone needs referral to a mental health professional as well. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so that's just an example uh, in, in terms of, you know, uh, uh, a type of intervention that's kind of from, I think, you know, Christian ministry or lay counseling background, like I said, the life model, Emmanuel prayer, it's, it's their writings on those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they can be used clinically. Now, uh, another thing I might add here for me, you know, so if I did, let's say I did a full session, like we just did with, with Christian inner healing prayer, you know, uh, before we did the session, we would talk about how you would pay for it because I, I don't I don't think I would I would bill insurance for that because I'm not using an evidence based clinical treatment there. Mm-hmm. It's something that fits for your faith, which is very important and it's good and it seems to have to be useful, right? It could be useful, but I would if I was just just using that, I probably would would again we'd have to talk. Okay. You know, are we doing this as a session? If if they don't want to pay for it, maybe there's a ministry in the area where they can try these mm. things out. Mm. Um, but uh, an advantage if you do have a Christian mental health professional well-trained in these things is that if you need something else or if something goes awry, then, of course, they have the training to deal with that if, if uh, you know, a person has some sort of condition that's that's more complex. Yeah. And then you'll, ideally you'll want someone who's a mental health professional who's well-trained in both clinical psychology or counseling and also has experience with these types of methods. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did I answer your question on that? I think we just kind of did a demo, but yeah, that was good. That was perfect. Okay. Okay. Um, Before we did the demo, you mentioned for her, uh, she was able to kind of change some of her, uh, like a core belief. Or, or, yeah, so let me yeah. tell you a little bit about how that happened for her. So yeah. she, 
in terms of that one, she went to this painful memory where th where there was some abuse, where things were told to her, said, you know, it's your fault, you know, hmm. you know, I did this to you because da da da, all of that, and so in that case, you know, the question, you know, uh, you know, Lord, what do you want so and so to know? Mm -hmm. So there's a couple things that can happen there. In her case, she was able to receive. Uh, really well, and part of that was she had done a lot of forgiveness work around this perpetrator who had been a perpetrator in her life. Hmm. But uh, sometimes anger can can block a person from really hearing from the Lord. But mm -hmm. anger is perfectly normal in the situation, especially when something like that has happened. But now it's it can keep us stuck, and so sometimes the person will need to like release the anger into God's hands, ask Him to lift the anger off. Uh, you know, sometimes they feel like, oh, if I let go of the anger, I'll get abused again. Well, that, let's talk with God about that first. So, Lord, what do you want so-and-so to know hmm. about this? It, you know, they feel like if they let go of their anger, they'll be abused again. Is that true? And once they get a sense from God, no, that's not true. Hmm. He'll protect me. Then they can let go of that, and then they can hear from God around that, too. So sometimes, there again, there, hmm. there can be complexities in things, so that's why it's helpful to, to have someone well-trained if there are complexities. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I guess um, kind of going back to an earlier question about someone who's kind of still functioning rather well in the world, if the, but if they're just, if they are also feeling like either unloved or they don't really feel close to, to God or they feel unworthy or they feel, um, you know, just yeah all of those kind of negative views about the self um that's still something that they could go to therapy for and and work mm -hmm. through and mm -hmm. perhaps feel yeah better and high, you said they're high functioning too right so yeah. and they just have kind of questions some dissatisfaction in life yes certainly they can go to a pastor they can go to a mm -hmm. therapist they can go to a life coach so in that case it sounds like there's some dissatisfaction that's the processing. And I might even add there another profession to think about is Christian spiritual direction or okay. Christian spiritual mentorship or, or spiritual friendship. It's, it goes by different names. Hmm. But when someone's sort of exploring and they're just a little dissatisfied in life and they're, they're exploring, but they're not, they're not depressed, they don't have a clinical diagnosis, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes actually someone who does spiritual direction might be good. Well, I wonder what God's saying in this dissatisfaction you know uh, again a clinical psychologist is going to screen you for depression and other things a pastor might see how your your beliefs are doing if you're in a good church environment and stuff a spiritual director might say I wonder what the message is in this dissatisfaction so something's missing I, let's let's notice what happens this week in your life let's ask God God show me what am I missing and let's just observe what happens this week or this month. You know, a lot of times they meet uh, once a month or once every two weeks, you know. Uh, so they might they might start helping the person notice when God is, is speaking to them through different things. Uh, maybe, they, maybe the spiritual director encourages them, let's just go for walks on the beach. Just spend some time in nature. Maybe do some different things that might not appear overtly spiritual, but can be valuable being out in God's creation, just, just enjoying a walk, uh, slowing down a little bit. Maybe this person has a, a busy job, for example, and so spiritual director might invite them to take 
moments of quiet or moments of reflection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, just to, just to notice and kind of open up and invite God to start speaking in their life around that dissatisfaction. So, uh, you know, sometimes you can have therapists who are trained in spiritual direction and theology and Christian integration and therapy as well. So there are some like that, but then there, there are some who are not. So that's another field that sometimes is useful for people who are high-functioning, don't really want a life coach. It's not like, well, I want to be more productive. I want to have more satisfying relationships, but I just feel like something's missing. And so sometimes a spiritual director can, can do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, obviously, uh, you know, our own faith backgrounds also matter in this. So I'm an evangelical Christian. I, I want everyone to, to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And so I'm also aware, though, my position as a therapist, I can really manipulate people. I have a lot of authority, a lot of power and stuff. So so that's where, you know, I might pray for my clients. I might refer them to a spiritual director or something like that because, again, I have to be careful in my profession of kind of that power differential that I have. So I don't want to to impose values in any way or anything like that. And so someone who's a very good spiritual director can really help someone kind of connect with with kind of their their own experience of God and start helping them walk walk in a path that that might uh, deepen their sense of meaning in life and uh, you know where, where they increase their satisfaction in in those ways okay okay I like that idea about how this you said the spiritual director might say well let's take a look at your depression and what's it what would God have us know about that? Like, what's it, what's it trying to tell us? Uh, yeah, see, mm-hmm. see what we notice. See what it's kind of moving us toward. Yeah, I like that idea. Exactly. Yeah, uh. and it's it's really these are all different lenses. Hopefully, you know, people listening to us talk about this realize. Okay, so really, we've got some. It's almost like people are wearing different sets of glasses, right? So mm-hmm. your your psychologist or counselor is wearing the, a set of glasses that focuses on your symptoms your struggles. If they're Christian, they will focus on how faith can relate to you overcoming these symptoms and things. Mm-hmm. A pastor will focus on your connection to Christian community and will give you prayer support, but they, they may not be able to work with you long term, but they certainly want to be a part of your healing process and, and be supportive of that. A spiritual director can can look at different uh, different ways God might be speaking to you in your daily life, outside of church, in church, in different ways. There are different ways that God communicates with us, and sometimes we don't recognize that, and so the spiritual director can help you understand that. So there, there's all these different lenses, and uh, that's why, kind of back to some of your early questions about you know what, what you need to know, that's why talking with someone about what therapy would look like, or mm-hmm. life coaching, or pastoral counseling or spiritual direction, what, what might it look like with you is a really useful question to see hmm. if it fits with what you're needing. Okay. Okay. Um, perhaps last question. Uh, as a Christian therapist, if you have a client or a patient who their religious views differ from yours, maybe they hold like, maybe they, they cling too tightly to a certain portion of scripture or maybe um, according to your faith tradition, they, they're interpreting it wrong. And that's, and maybe you think because of this interpretation, they're, 
they're struggling with this. Um, how do you handle that kind of maybe urge to, you know, well, there's different ways to look at this or mm-hmm. or balance out the scripture? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, so what I try not to argue when you know, when you get in debates with people about their mm-hmm. theology or their view of scripture or an interpretation of scripture. Uh, unless I can see there's openness to discussing that, you know, mm-hmm. that might be worthwhile. If there's openness and they're saying, you know, I've kind of seen it this way. How do you, how do you see it? So, mm-hmm. okay. so if they're open, but if it's okay. clear, it's like, this is important to them and they, they kind of see it this way, yeah. then uh, really part of it for me is, is I focus on the, the workability of that kind of the, the, what does that produce in their life? So let's say they're very heavy on God's judgment, but they really are rejecting of his mercy. Uh, they have some scripture that they believe that, you know, they, you know, this sort of thing. And so I may just empathize with them. Gosh, I, it seems very, very hard because you are, you're so convinced that God is judging you on this and, and that you're a terrible person. And I just imagine this is really hard. Tell me, Tell me about that, because I, I imagine you really want a close relationship with God, too. That's got to be hard to really feel like, you know, you're being judged, and yet you want this relationship with God. So I might try to actually get into some of the underlying issues involved in just clinging tightly with something that might be producing distress for them uh-huh. to see if they can if, if, if they can explore that a little bit and, and what it's doing in their, their life. And it could also be that a pastoral referral is a very useful thing, too. Hmm. So I'm not going to debate with them about Scripture, but it, it could be that their pastor might bring up some things if they really value, they have a good relationship with their pastor, uh-huh. to invite a pastor to their pastor to talk with them about those particular Scriptures if it, if it feels like we're going to get in this big debate and they really are clinging to it. Yeah. So I'll try to kind of explore the process underlying kind of what it's producing in them. Maybe invite them to talk with their pastor to see if if their pastor has some additional thoughts for them. Mm-hmm. And because it does, yeah, it doesn't work real well just to kind of get in a scripture debate with, mm-hmm. with someone. Yeah. Okay. All right, Dr. Garzon. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Well, you a- are very, you are very welcome. Very welcome. <laughs>